0: BLC Studios in Mankato, Minnesota, this is the Bethany Vikings Podcast, hosted by Brock Aker. I am Brock Aker. Welcome to another edition of the Bethany Vikings Podcast. Today, I have a loaded episode for all of you. First, I have a special exclusive one-on-one interview with UMAC Commissioner Corey Borkhart. We take a close look at that week in March where UMAC sports was changed due to COVID-19. And then we talk about how COVID-19 might also affect fall sports this year. And then finally, we go down memory lane, what happened just two months ago where the Vikings won both men and women UMAC tournament basketball championships as Corey Borkart got to witness both of them since they're hosted by Bethany. Following the interview, we have the most competitive matchup yet of the first round of the Bethany Initials Tournament, Hannah Geisfeld, Sarah Pressler, Keegan Rich, and Logan Nessen fight off to see who will go to the championship and face Derek Lingholm and Jake Anderson next week. All right, let's get to the interview with the UMAC Commissioner. Hi, we are now joined by the UMAC Commissioner, Corey Borkhart. Corey, how are you doing today with this quarantine?
1: <laughs> we're doing well, you know, finding the uh, the positives and still, um, you know, trying to accomplish what we can, but certainly is a, a unique spring and uh, unique circumstances that we're navigating through, not just at the conference level, but our institutions and members, uh, unprecedented territory and uncharted waters as well for, for both the institution and the conference level. But there, There is a lot of good still coming from the spring. Those certainly we wish uh, this week in particular we'd be having our spring championships right now for tennis, softball, track, and field this weekend. And would much rather still be doing that, that's for sure, but um, trying to still be productive with what we can.
0: Could you give us, uh, you talk about the unprecedented time, it's only been a little over a month now, but could you give us the timeline when this COVID-19 came up and then all the discussions you had and then finally happening to cancel the spring sports?
1: Yeah. In, in early March, uh, um, and I can go back and, you know, look at exact dates, but early March, really, you know, on the two coasts, the Eastern and the Western um, part of the the country, uh, certainly we started to see growing concern and um, projections models that I think, you know, particularly for the, the two coasts of our uh, country, people really started to take notice and realize this uh, is going to be something we're going to have to deal with and tackle. And so I think still that first week of March, there was a sense, at least in the Midwest, you know, maybe it wouldn't um, impact us that quickly, or we'd have a little bit more time to plan, prepare, adjust as needed. But then by that second week of March, Um, you know, March 12th, March 13th, um, you know, it seemed like reality was setting in that we were gonna have to really do some contingency planning and um, adjust what we were doing. We were holding out hope, we really wanted to try to provide a student athlete experience, even if it was adjusted, it looked a little different, it was modified, you know, reduced, maybe some, we still wanted to provide whatever we could from a student athlete experience standpoint. And we were, were holding on to hope you know, that our championships we could still offer some type of opportunity for our athletes. But as our institutions started to make decisions around you know mid-March, then March, kind of 13, 14, through the following few days, our institutions really started to make more choices and decisions that they needed to, understandably. So that really impacted us at the conference level then, um, because what we talked about at the conference level was as long as we have enough institutions that were still trying to offer athletics students were still on campus we were going to try to adjust and do what we could at the conference level but as more and more of our institutions made the you know difficult decision to um, send students home go to all online distant learning you know platforms and models Unfortunately, then that really cemented the reality for the conference. We just weren't gonna have student athletes that were even on campuses still to, to try to provide an experience. So from a timeline standpoint, by kind of that middle of March, third full week, um, we were really you know, starting to wrap up decisions and um, kind of start working through the next phase then of all the questions, compliance, eligibility, all those types of questions that started to emerge.
0: I guess I'm kind of curious of uh, the NCAA division one was the first ones to start canceling things. If, can there be a difference between D one canceling, like, let's say fall sports and D three go on, or if D one's not going to play, does that mean D three can't play too? Or how do you guys involve between the three divisions?
1: Yeah, good question. How does the governance work? So it is possible where Division one could do something different for their championships, for their sports seasons compared to Division two II or three. So there is the structures in place for that to happen. But each division has a leadership group for Division three. We call it the President's Council. That's, that's the highest ranking you know kind of governance group for Division three. But above that is the NCAA Board of Governors. So this group has ultimate authority makes all of the final decisions. And they would have the authority to dictate what divisions would have to do. So in the case of this last winter and spring, the Board of Governors made the decision to cancel all remaining winter championships and then all spring championships for all three divisions. And so at that point, there really wasn't an opportunity for Division Three to say, well, we think we can still, you know, try to provide our spring championships or, you know, modify it. For the fall, you know, and kind of going into next year, um, I think you will see. But I think there is a higher likelihood where there could be some differences in 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 terms of what Division One does for certain sports versus Division Three, and part of that is just the difference in um, what does that look like. So, as an example. Of course, the crowd sizes for Division One you know, are going to look much different than Division three. Now, don't get me wrong, there can be Division three football games with 10, 15,000, 20, 30,000 people too. But generally speaking, you know it's a different tell you about crowd, size of teams, all those pieces that will go into it. So to get back to your original question, there are opportunities where the divisions can be different. Um, but there also are some situations where the Board of Governors essentially dictates um, where there's going to be consistency and all divisions have to do the same thing.
0: So, like you said, the, this weekend was supposed to be softball, tennis, championships. Your your schedule has to be different now with all this. What is a normal day for a commissioner now with all this?
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, I don't know if there is such thing as a normal day. Um or a day that looks the same, if you will, from the day before. Uh, you know, I've I've told some people this, it feels almost as though we're more busy and it's a more intense spring than if we were, you know, operating kind of in a quote, normal or the usual circumstances. And part of that is our, our schools are just trying to navigate through so many decisions and planning and contingency planning um, for next year already that, um, you know, there's a lot of conversations, a lot of meetings, a lot of dialogue as far as how do we react to this? How do we better prepare for next year? What can we do to be strategic for next year? Um, so, a lot of my days are doing uh, similar to this. A lot of Zoom meetings. There's days where from nine or ten to three, I might be on Zoom meetings, um, still engaging with people. Um, we've done a lot of uh, meetings with campus groups, so. You know, just in the last week, we had two different UMAC schools where we had a, a Zoom meeting with all of their coaches and staff. And they just asked questions. What could the fall look like? What type of models are we looking at? You know, compliance related questions. So we're we're still interacting with our membership a lot, engaging with them, doing planning for next year. And, and really what this spring, unfortunately, um, you know, at the expense of our student athlete experiences has provided We've been able to do more strategic planning, get into some bigger projects that we normally you know, don't always get to or kind of down on the list that maybe we don't make as much progress on, future scheduling, um, things like that. So we've been able to tackle some things that we probably wouldn't have otherwise. Um, but I think the intensity feels even higher just because of we really haven't stopped working through all the different pieces or layers to this situation, both now for the spring and for next, next fall, next
0: winter. Can you share some information about the UMAC uh, mental health initiative, especially like in this where players aren't on campus or everything, but making sure their mental health still up to speed in this dark time kind of.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a, it's a great question and a really important piece in terms of um, the topic that you hit on. Um, we recognize for student athletes, you know, it's such a huge part of their identity to be with their team, to be playing, to be competing. It's a part of the, you know, collegiate experience and a a big part of it. So to all of a sudden um, have that reduced or taken away completely and minimize, you know, certainly is is a um, significant impact on student athletes and just their daily life, normal life, uh, mental you know, well-being. And so we've done a few things intentionally to try to address that, and we'll continue to do that. Um, really, from a conference perspective, more of our focus and efforts are working with administrators and then our coaching groups to provide mental health resources, webinars, access... But our hope is then that the coaches can kind of pass those on to the athletes or, you know, the institutions then are able to utilize those resources with the athletes and teams. Because certainly, you know, student athletes may listen to us in the conference office, but we know best uh, that their strongest relationships are with the coaches. And that's who, you know, they um, have a high degree of trust, interaction with, and, you know, more candidness disclose things, how they're really doing. So we're really focused on providing things to our coaches and our administrators at the the campus level that then hopefully help the student athletes as well. But you're gonna see more and more opportunities come this spring and the summer. The NCAA is doing now more opportunities for student athletes, webinars, um, some resources individually, even where student athletes can take advantage of, um, interacting with, you know, Um, counselors, psychologists, mental health experts that can help student-athletes on a real individual basis, because the reality is we can put out all kinds of great, um, you know, webinars and resources and materials, but for student-athletes that are really struggling and really need kind of that next level of help and, and, um, you know, guidance, we need to connect them with um, experts in that area who can really be individually focused and, and help them in their particular situation or aspects that may be unique to their struggles.
0: What has been a uh, kind of a highlight or one thing you've really learned about this process this past month or anything, any events stick out this year where you felt that you've improved upon what's going on really in this time?
1: Yeah. I think one thing, maybe it transcends just work in terms of the conference and the UMAC and, and um, you know, the athletics nexus, but just life in general and, and people. But I've seen it affirmed in terms of our conference and our schools working together and administrators. You know, when we were in the previous normal, just the speed of life, the busyness of it, the intensity of it, the sports world is certainly, you know, a pretty um, fast paced environment. I think sometimes that care, that concern for people, you know, was lost or minimized or not as high on the, the priority list for people. Um, and so I certainly sense this has kind of given us a chance to reset a little bit in terms of uh, remembering the importance of just how people, how are they doing, um, you know, what is their emotional well being? showing care for each other, reaching connected with in a long time or, you know, much more consistently than perhaps you did in the past, so I think that's been a key um, I don't know if outcome or observation I guess that I've seen is just that human to human interaction in a positive way has become um, you know more of a focus and an emphasis for a lot of people. from a conference standpoint, from a um, you know athletics um, I guess viewpoint specifically. I think what's been cemented is how critical that student athlete experience is. And I think that was the tough part and challenging part for everyone to to have to make the decisions that our schools did at the campus level and then at the conference level and national levels as well um, was not done lightly and with a lot of consternation, a lot of grief, a lot of sadness. And I think we That was affirm, just seeing the impact that it had on student athletes. But I think what was neat is then just seeing how our student athletes have overcome it. And you know it doesn't mean in any way that it's been fun, enjoyable, you know, ideal or desirable. but just and teams have been creative, overcoming it, making the best of it, staying connected, working with their coaches. Um, you know, it gives me hope and um, belief that whatever that new normal looks like when we get back to it, it there's still going to be a lot of good that we'll lo- look back and say we were able to capitalize on
0: you talk about that new normal and you said that the different governings between d1 d2 d3 but for fall sports this upcoming fall do you feel like there's a deadline for you to say we're gonna have fall sports or fall sports is gonna be canceled
1: yeah well i'll answer that from a few different pieces that are part of puzzle because it, it certainly is a puzzle and not um you know not a one piece puzzle it's a it's a large puzzle in that sense. So a few key parts. I don't think you're gonna see any decisions from the NCAA in terms of championships until probably late June, early July at the earliest, maybe even later. I, I just don't get the sense that there's gonna be any definitive decisions made until that kind of time frame. Um you know, so that I think you're looking at early July before we're going to have a sense of what is the NCAA Championships timeline look like for fall sports. The other piece uh, that probably is similarly important is what do our schools do? So I think for a lot of our member schools, they're probably looking at timelines even after that as when they would make final decisions, are students coming back to campus or not. Uh, and so that's kind of the next benchmark and, and key point in the timeline. We can talk about at the conference level all kinds of models and options, 100 contingency plans. But at the end of the day, it all depends on how many of our schools bring students back, and, you, know, when do they bring them back? That then allows us to go forward with different options that we can look at. So to your point, from a timeline standpoint, I think those are two key parts. And then I think the third part will be the conference, what we do my sense is we may not be making any decisions until mid to late July at the earliest again all assuming that schools have made some decisions by that point but if they wait further on their decisions i think we could be looking at that even later in the summer before we make any definitive decisions because ultimately we at the conference level and our athletic departments at each campus we want to do everything we can to give student athletes an experience and opportunities you know their season. And so if that means delaying decisions to give us the best chance to do that, I think people would rather do that than necessarily make decisions now earlier when then we could look back, you know, later in the summer and say, if we would have waited, maybe we could have provided a a bigger experience.
0: The last championships we had for the UMAC was basketball back in February and Bethany hosted both of them. How nice was it for you as like a finish center that you (laughs) got to see both games in the same building
1: yeah selfishly uh that was uh ideal and and nice for travel that's for sure i was up at the first day of indoor track and field championships um in superior that friday and uh stayed overnight and then took off saturday morning after track got started to to come down to mankato so selfishly it was very nice to uh have both of the basketball championship games at one site and it created a great atmosphere. I think anybody was that was there that night would affirm, um, you know, it was a pretty electric atmosphere. The, um, you know, crowd was great and, and throughout the whole night for both championship games, um, it had a great vibe to it. So from that aspect, in terms of the conference view, that also was great to kind of set up a, a fantastic evening on
0: all fronts. All right, I'll leave it with one more question when we get sports back and going again. You, the UMAC, uh, they've won some games in the tournament. The girls won against Bethel this year. Uh, the men won a couple years ago against St. John's. What do you think the UMAC has to do, though, to maybe get more than one team in the tournament? Because right now it's like a one-bid uh, conference.
1: Yeah, yep. So the way that the championship selection process is set up, it's all based upon a certain championship selection criteria. And a lot of that criteria includes things like strength of schedule, record against ranked teams um, in your region, probably two of the key pieces, in addition, of course winning percentage um, and overall record. And so what's what's pretty important for our schools to do if we're ever going to try you know to increase the number of um, teams that we get in the NCA and get some more at large um, bursts in a championship. Our schools have to make sure they have a really strong strength of schedule and The challenging part of that is obviously the tougher schedule you play, the more likely you're going to lose probably, you know, some of those, but it also pushes you. So there's a fine line there of, of, you know, where is that line, but ultimately our schools need to keep, um, you know, scheduling tougher and tougher opponents out of our conference for their non conference, Um, playing some of the best teams in the region is going to help our league and push us. And, and you still have to win some of those too. So it's not just playing them, but obviously winning some of those as well. But, Really, our strength of schedule and our record against ranked opponents is going to have to, um, you know, continue to um, improve and evolve if we're going to get more than the one team in that we automatically get in each, each season or each sport.
0: Well, I appreciate you joining me today, Corey, at one of your hectic Zoom meetings for today. I appreciate you <laughs> taking time.
1: Oh, it's been fantastic. Appreciate the opportunity and uh, look forward to engaging again down the road if uh, we have that opportunity.
0: Welcome to the final first-round matchup of the Bethany Initials Tournament. We have four more contestants. Today we have the women's basketball team with Hannah. The cross-country, Sarah Preston's on three different teams, but she's going to represent the women's cross-country. we got Logan Nesson representing the baseball team, and then Keegan Rich, the men's track. So let's first meet Hannah. You're the UMAC, coming off the UMAC Player of the Year for women's basketball. You upset Bethel. For the first tournament win in Bethany. What was your emotion when the clock hit zero there in your first tournament win? Um, it was really awesome, especially since I had like followed out. So I was just really happy that my team was able to pull it off. All right, we'll move on to Sarah Pressler. Sarah, you're like I said, you're part of three different athletic teams at Bethany with this COVID nineteen and quarantine. How are you keeping busy? Uh yeah. I mean, running's kind of nice right now because you can do it whenever and wherever, and there's not really any restrictions on that. But with softball, it is a little harder just because you got to do stuff on your own, and it's hard without your teammates. It's a lot harder without that. And I guess for running, too, um, you lose your training partners, which makes it a lot harder. Also, it's harder to find motivation, I guess. Well, hopefully this fall we can come back and get back on the swing of things. Uh, Logan, you're you're part of both teams for baseball winning in the conference tournament. You played in Arizona and then the season got called off. How tough was that for your senior year to be called short and in March? Um, I mean, it was tough because we uh, flew down to Tucson having the expectation of a season. And then we were about halfway through our trip when uh, the rumors and news started uh, spreading that our season might get canceled. And we had a few meetings as a team in the lobby of the hotel, and it was just um, hard for us seniors and a few of the younger players to really think that we weren't going to have the rest of the season, so that was tough. So they're giving back eligibility for spring sports. Are you going to come back then next year, or are you done with Bethany baseball? Yeah, I'm coming back. I dropped a class this semester so I could come back next spring and finish up my eligibility. Well, that's awesome. We look forward to next spring then. You're back on the mound. All right, let's go to Keegan Rich, the last one. You play track, obviously. I'm just curious, every time I go on Twitter during the track season, it seems like you're pulling up a new record. How, how many records do you have right now?
1: Um, I think it's only
0: two, maybe three, but I just keep on breaking my own records, so that's kind of nice. shows that I'm improving. Do you have any more records you're eyeing for your final two years here? Um,
1: not really. Possibly the 200-meter I know that Kevin had that, so I kind of want to get to where Kevin was. so And then possibly the 16 meter as well.
0: Okay, well, let's get right to the game then now. So the winner of this goes to the championship round on next week. Tuesday we'll probably play again to see who wins the tournament. The rules we'll go through one more time. Contestants are given clues to 12 items, which can be people, place, things, anything. Each item has the same set of initials, Contestants are given up to six clues for each item. The person to ring in with their name is allowed five seconds to answer and they can ring in at any time during the progression of clues. If they are correct, they get one point. If they are incorrect, the clues continue and other players are allowed to ring in. The winner of the initial scheme is whoever gets the most points. If there's a tie, there's a three clue tiebreaker is used for the tied contestants and the tiebreakers will have the same initials as the original 12 items you all get with that all right we'll go to the first item oh i better say the initials first i haven't said the initials bs is the initials today so each item yeah there's no profanity so you don't have to worry about one of the items right there but bs is the initials so item number one clue number one this person is six foot four with a wingspan of seven foot one. Clue number two plays for the storm. Keegan. All right, Keegan, what do you have? Brianna Stewart. Yes, it is Brianna Stewart. Keegan gets the first point. Also, I, I didn't say in the rules no using other people or friends or family members for the answers. So Keegan gets the first question correct. Let's go to item number two, initials BS. Clue number one, born in Wichita, Kansas. Clue number two, was a cowboy in college. Clue number three, inducted in the NFL Hall of Fame in 2004. Clue number four, has the most rushing yards in a single season in the Logan. Logan, what do you have? Barry Sanders. Yes, it's Barry Sanders. Logan is on the board. Tied with Keegan. I don't know if you – did you guys see the Twitter poll that came out to see what fans thought was going to win? Yeah, I'm sorry to whoever voted for me. Oh, it's <laughs> no, plenty of time. <laughs> I saw Logan was the leader, and then last night when I looked at Hannah – just took a big spike in percentage. So you're the favorite. Do you feel any pressure right now, Hannah? I'm not really worried. I wasn't really feeling too confident coming into it anyway. So there's still 10 items. There's plenty of time. You're only (laughs) one behind. All right. We'll go to item number three. BS is the initials. I love just saying BS. It's funny. All right. Clue number one happens Wednesday night in Hunsey hall. Logan. Logan, what do you have? Bible study. Yes, Mm. Bible study is correct. Logan takes the lead right there. Two to one. Any of you attend Bible study? No. No. Well, I think it's on Zoom now, if you guys are ever interested. Uh, Going to item number four, Logan leads Keegan two to one. Sarah and Hannah looking to get on the board right here. So item four, clue number one. Net worth $200 million. Clue number two, this person dropped out of college at UCLA. Clue number three, known for being in movies with Vince Vaughn. Clue number four, acts as Gaylord Fokker and meet the parents. Clue number five wants to buy Average Joe's gym in the movie Dodgeball. Keegan. All right, Keegan. Ben Stiller. Yes, Ben Stiller is correct. Keegan evens up the score with Logan, two to two. Going to item number five now. Clue number one, item number five, born in Melbourne, Australia. Clue number two, Ambidextrous. Clue number three. Finally made his first career NBA three-pointer November 20th, 2019. Clue number four. 2018 NBA Rookie of the Year. Keegan. All right, Keegan, what do you have? Ben Simmons. Yes, Ben Simmons, correct. Three to two, Keegan now. Two in a row to take the lead. Going to item number six, almost halfway there. Still plenty of time for Sarah and Hannah to make on a run here. Make things interesting. Give us an easy one. Yeah. I I think this this one will be interesting. Let's see it. Item number six, clue number one. Originated from a campfire song. Clue number two. Song that became extremely popular when released by Pink Fung in 2016. Clue number three, now a kind of cereal. Clue number four, the song has a dance that goes along with it. Clue number five, Ellen and James Corden released their own version of this song. Final clue has over 5 billion views on YouTube. No one's got the song. Baby shark is the answer. Oh, Oh. Oh, wow. So that one's going to be null. no one gets item number six. So Keegan still has a three, two lead. When I was looking up, I didn't know it was a cereal. I thought that was an interesting clue. I did not know that either. Yeah, I don't know that. All right, still, we're halfway there. Plenty of time for a comeback. Or Keegan, Logan, or three to two right now. Keegan leads Logan. Item number seven, clue number one, net worth estimated to be around four hundred million dollars. Clue number two, born in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Clue number three, 85 years old. Clue number four, purchased the Seattle Pilots in 1970 for $10.8 million. Clue number five, the ninth commissioner of Major League Baseball in 1998. Logan. All right, Logan. Bud Selig? Yes, it's Bud Selig. Logan evens up the score here with Keegan with five more clues to go. Going to item number eight now, clue number one, awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom by Barack Obama in 2016. Clue number two, nicknamed the boss. Clue number three, Known for singing about his glory days. Clue number four. Born in Long Branch, New Jersey, but he sings, he's born in the USA. Logan. All right, Logan. Bruce Springsteen? Yes, Bruce Springsteen. Logan takes the lead. Sarah, Hannah, did you think of it? You, you had like these thinking faces, like you're on to something. And then Logan <laughs> says, no? All right, we're down to the last four items. You, you're still alive. One of you, get all four here to even up Logan. Keegan, you're st- only one uh, correct answer behind Logan. We're going to item number nine. Clue number one. One of his hobbies is skateboarding. Clue number two, voiced by Nancy Jean Cartwright. Clue number three, known for being a rebellious kid. Clue number four, lives in Springfield. Clue number five, son of Homer and Marge. Logan. Clue. All right, Logan. Bart Simpson. Yes, it's Bart Simpson. Logan's on a roll here. With that correct answer, sorry, Sarah and Hannah, you're pretty much eliminated from winning, but still answer if you have the answer to these next three clues. We're on to item number 10 now. Keegan, you're still available to win this. Two points behind Logan right now. 5-3, Logan leads. Item number 10, clue number one. Founded in the year of 1910, Clue number two, headquarters are in Irving, Texas. Clue number three, they're known for selling popcorn. Clue number four, they receive badges for jobs they do. Clue. Oh, I know, Hannah. All right, Hannah, what do you have? Boy Scouts. Yes, Boy Scouts is correct. Hannah is on the board. All right, Sarah, let's see if you can get one of these two. The very first I game. I of it right when she said it. Yeah, that happens. That happened the first game. Uh, Allie and Trenton going for second place. They both are going back and forth at that. Just whoever says their name fastest. All right, so Keegan, you need these last two to tie Logan. If Logan gets it or Sarah or Hannah gets one of these next two clues, Logan is going to the championship round next week. Item number 11. Clue number one, played college basketball at Oklahoma State. Clue number two, first head coaching job was at Oral Roberts. Clue number three, first power five head coaching job was at Illinois. Clue number four, two-time AP Coach of the Year. clue number five his only national championship win as a head coach was against memphis in 2008. final clue number six he's the kansas jayhawks head basketball coach Keegan. all right keegan bill self bill self is correct we're going down to the last question keegan needs this to tie logan hannah sarah gets it logan's going to the championship keegan gets it we're going to a tiebreaker we've never had a sudden death tiebreaker yet the first two rounds so let's see if Keegan can force one right here final item item number 12 clue number one born in Ada Oklahoma clue number two his debut single came out in 2001 called Austin clue number three had a divorce with Miranda Lambert Oh. Keegan. Oh, Keegan to force the tiebreaker. What do you have? Blake Shelton. Yes, it's Blake Shelton. I don't know that, we're going to our first ever tiebreaker here with the Bethany initials tournament. So it's only between Keegan and Logan. The item is still the same initials and it's only, I'm only going to have three clues. So the first one ring in, get the correct answer, get to the point. If no one gets it between the three clues, we'll go on to... The next tiebreaker question. So, whoever gets it for the first one to get the correct answer wins. So, it could be one item, it could be more. Are you guys ready? Yes. Yeah. All right. Tiebreaker item number one. Clue number one. Born in Macomb, Mississippi. Clue number two. Has 56.1 million followers on Twitter. Clue number three, known for two albums. Baby, One More Time, and Oops, I Did It Again. Keegan. Keegan, for the comeback win.
1: Britney Spears.
0: Yes, Britney Spears is correct. And Keegan runs the show at the end, gets three answers correct at the end, to take the lead from Logan, and wins six to five. It's going to the championship round next week. Thank you guys for playing today. Thanks, Brock. Thank you. 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 See you next week, everyone.